So this is our last week of this series called No Perfect People Allowed. And of course, we know what that means. It means that if you are a perfect person, then you're not allowed here. Because if you say you're perfect, then you're a liar, and we don't like liars, right? So if you're, this is a place where nobody is perfect. And the good thing about that is that God doesn't expect us to be perfect. Instead, God expects us to rely on him as our power and as our strength. And so if we think that we have it all together, we know that we are sadly mistaken. So by show of hands, how many of you guys in here like to journal? Like you have a notebook or diary, whatever you want to call it. Okay, I see a couple hands. That's all right. I am not one of you who's raising your hand. I don't know why my hand's up right now. I don't like to journal. I think it's so hard to know what to write about. Like what are you going to put down? And then like just finding the time to do it. Like it takes a long time to actually write. Like I'd rather type something up. Um, or just thinking or just like the hand cramps. Like it's, it's not worth it to me. But whenever I was in high school, Rick, who was my favorite youth sponsor, he was the one who would bring me to church. And um, you guys know the story. He actually bought me a journal one of my, for Christmas one year. And so I thought it might be a good time to start journaling because I heard that journaling was a good, a good discipline. Like if you wrote down your prayers, you wrote down whatever, it was good. It was just like reading the Bible. It was just like praying. It was a good thing to do. So I thought it was a good thing to start journaling. So here's a couple of my journal entries just so you guys know where I was at whenever I was a junior in high school. So on April 25th, 2014, this is what I wrote. And remember, I was a little weird, so don't hold me to it. It says, thank you, Lord, for blessing me so much today. Today went better than I thought it would. I woke up and I said, today is going to be a good day in the name of Jesus. And as soon as I said that, the devil started throwing stuff at me left and right. But you, O oh Lord, help me see the good out of every trial. The Bible tells me to consider it pure joy to go under trial. Trials, they test my faith, which leads to perseverance, which allows me to grow more mature in my spiritual life. Thank you, Lord, for this new light. Help me see this light every day and help others see the light. For some reason, I also thought it was cool to write in cursive. So I'm like, if I'm going to write, I'm going to write in cursive. So that's what I did. Here's another journal entry. Two days later, on April 27th, I wrote, Tomorrow... I'm going to start the first day of my fast for 30 days. I'm going to wake up an extra 30 minutes each day to pray, and I'm going to fast breakfast every morning to grow more. What does that say? See, to, to allow more time on prayer, spend more time in prayer. The first thing on my list to pray for or pray about is revival. I know we only have a month left of school, but I believe that you, O oh Lord, can bring the biggest revival GHS has ever seen. And I believe it is going to be so strong, it will continue into next year and not die out until you come back. Amen. I had so much faith back then. And then we get to April 29th. This is what I wrote on April 29th. I said, today was a good day, Lord. I give you all the credit and praise. I mean, today it had its ups and downs, but you work for the good of those of, who love you and have been called according to your purpose. Lord, I thank you for the trials of today. I, thank, I pray that you help me learn from them to help my faith. Your word says that these things have come so that your faith may be proven genuine. Help me overcome my sense of annoyance 
in my sense of anger. Help me be joyful always and kind to everyone. Apparently, I was going through a little bit of annoyance. Maybe at my friend Roscoe, if you guys know anything about Roscoe. So that is what I was praying. That's the things I was journaling. And it was weird because I never journaled before. And then I was like, you know what? This might be a good thing. And so the thing I wrote a lot about was trials. And little I know, God was preparing me for one of the biggest trials I was ever going to walk through. Because then we come to April 30th. April 30th, 2014, I was a junior in high school. I was 17 years old. I was the same age as many of you guys in here were today. And it was a Wednesday morning. And it was a normal Wednesday morning. I woke up. I woke up an extra 30 minutes. I, would, I, would, um, I prayed. I made my coffee. I got dressed. And then I went to school. And then I went to FCA. Because we had FCA every Wednesday. That's the big Bible study group that we started. Um, and at that time, we were meeting in the library because we outgrew the classroom. And I still remember what the guest speaker spoke about that day. We brought in some kind of semi-professional athlete, um, and he, he spoke to us. And this is the verse that he read. He was talking about perseverance. He said in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, it says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so that day I was like, okay, that's cool. Whatever, that's a good verse. I know that verse. I've memorized that one already. So I put those words in the back of my head and I just carried on through the rest of my day. And so we get to the end of the school year, school day. And on Wednesdays, me and I always had my friends, Roscoe and Robbie and Dalton. They always came over after school to my house because they, we all went to church together. Rick, he would come with the church van. He'd come whipping around the corner. We would all get in the church van together, and we would all go to church together. And that's what usually what happened. But this, this Wednesday, it was a little bit different because I got in my car to go home, and then I got a text from my dad. And it was weird because my dad, he never texted me. Like, we didn't call, talk on the phone. We didn't text. Like, I saw him when I got home, and that was cool. But he never texted me. But he texts me, and this is what he says. He says, please go straight home. Don't let any of your friends come over. And don't leave to go anywhere. And so my thoughts were starting to like, come to me like, what the heck's going on? Like, what do you mean don't go anywhere? I have to go to church in like an hour. Like, how am I not supposed to go anywhere? I never miss church. And so I arrive home, and lo and behold, I write in my journal again. April 30th, this is what I wrote when I got home. It says, my dad just texted me as I got home from school not to leave and not to have anyone over. I replied and asked why, and he told me he would tell me when he got home. I don't know what happened, Lord, but it feels like something bad happened. Whatever it is, I know you are in control, Lord. So after 15 long, excruciating minutes, we're waiting. Me and my brother, we're looking at you like, what are, what's going on? Do you know? And he's like, no. My brother's like, no. My, he texted me too. I don't know what's going on. And so after 15 long minutes, seems like an eternity, my dad comes home. He has me go in my brother's room, and he has us sit down on his bed. And he looks at us, and we can tell something's wrong because his eyes, they're, they're swollen. He, we, you can tell he's fighting back tears. And he says, I don't know any of the details. I don't know what happened. But I got a phone call earlier today. Your mom passed away this morning. And me and my brother, we looked at each other simultaneously. And immediately, the tears, they came. In a moment's time, that day my life was changed forever. And that started an interesting path for me. That started an interesting journey. Because I didn't know it then. 
But I started, or entered into a season of depression. Depression, that's the topic that we're going to talk about tonight. What is depression? What does it look like? How do we overcome it? I entered the season of depression. So something as big and as life-changing as the death of a loved one, it usually sends you on one of two paths. One path it sends you on is either it drives you away from God and it leaves you asking the question, why did God let this happen to me? Why would God let this happen? He must not be good or he must not love me. So that's the first response. The second is it either drives you away from God or it drives you closer to God because then you realize that God is the only source of hope and God is the only source of comfort. Luckily for me, I had a strong foundation in my relationship with God. And so this drew me closer to God. I didn't know it then, but I, I was dealing with signs and symptoms of depression. But in, at the end, it always it drew me closer to God. I, d- I was dealing with depression because I didn't like to talk about it. I didn't like to think about it. I still don't like to talk or think about it. I just bottled it up. I put it off to the side. And that's how I knew now that that's what it was. It was depression. But in the end, it still drew me closer to, be, to God. Because I didn't have anywhere else to go. So I knew I had to go to God. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, which is what we read yesterday in our Bible reading plan, if you guys are following along with us. Jesus says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and the winds when the rain and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse in a mighty crash. Jesus is saying that those who obey me, those who have a strong relationship with me, when when things in life come, and Jesus says it's not if, it's when, when things in life come, you won't fall. If you have a strong foundation. If your relationship with God is strong, when those things happen, it won't knock you down. But if you don't have that relationship with him, if you don't have a strong foundation in your relationship with God, when those things happen, it will leave in a mighty crash is what he says. And unfortunately, my brother did not have that strong foundation. In this event, it did not draw him closer to God. My brother, he was three years older than me. But me and him, we were still very close. And I was a junior in high school at this time, but he, he was three years old. I mean, he already graduated, but he was still living with us in our house. And so he, at this point, he was, my brother was already doing drugs. He was already drinking alcohol. Before I got saved, he was the one who um, I would drink with. He was the one who would uh, get me to try different things. So he was still doing those things. But his, de- his depression, it grew very severe. It only grew worse and worse after my mom's death. Because remember, there's only those two Two responses, either drives you away from God or it drives you closer to God. And he's, it grew worse and worse. And there's even a couple of times that he tried to kill himself. We had to put him on, on suicide watch. And so this went on for a couple of years. And it seemed like a couple of times he would get better, sometimes he would get worse. During my first semester at college at ORU, he, he was actually in such a bad point. And, and people began to notice that he actually flew to California to go to rehab. And he came back a couple months later, and things were looking up because he was doing good. He was sober. He wasn't doing drugs. He wasn't drinking anymore, and he was doing good. And then he came back to it. He went back to the alcohol. He went back to doing drugs. He was always trying to escape 
the pain that he felt on the inside. He was always trying to find some sense of joy, some sense of peace in, in something that was other than God. And he could never find it. He could never attain it. He was looking in all the wrong places and he could never find it. He never found it in alcohol. So after a while, my brother, he moved out and he moved to Oklahoma City. And he's still struggling with these things. And little did we know that he, he, whenever he got to Oklahoma City to move in with somebody, he actually struggled more with those things. To the point that one night me and my dad, we got a call. He was in the hospital because he, his um, liver was starting to fail because of how bad the alcoholism was. And so it wasn't long after that, he had a bad breakup. And he had to move back in with me and my dad in Glimpool. And on the way back, he, he was driving. He was drinking and driving. He totaled his car. He got a DUI. So now my brother, I'm a junior in college. My brother, he's, he has no ID. He has no car. He has no job. And now he's living with me in my bedroom because we already turned his room into something else. And so there I am, 21 years old, a junior in college. I was still living at my dad's house because I didn't want to live on campus because that's way too expensive. And then my brother moved in with me. And he was still battling substance abuse. He was still battling depression. Even during all that time, like he would be drinking all night long. And during that time, we had many late nights of talking about life. We had many, many nights talking about meaning and purpose and God. And I preached the gospel to him over and over again. And I'm not going to lie, during that time, it was a very tough season. Because I was still in college. I still had a job. I still had to wake up early. And he would keep me up at night. And during that time, I had papers to write, I had homework to do. And there's many nights that I would wake up and I would stay up in the middle of the night because I would just be awakened to the sound of him crying or just to the sound of him screaming. But during that time together, our relationship just grew closer. Me and him, we still grew closer as, as brothers. And then six months after that, June 15th happened. I got up, it was just a normal Friday during the summertime. I was, I was out on summer break. I was taking summer classes, but I didn't care. I was sleeping in. So I woke up, it was a Friday morning. I remember going into the kitchen. I remember this day just like it was yesterday as well. I, I remember I went in there, I was making my, my breakfast. I was making my coffee. And then my dad comes out from the garage and he looks at me. He says, hey, come out here and watch the news. I said, okay, what's going on? He said, come out here and watch this. I think your brother died last night. Whenever I saw my brother the night before, he was on his way to a friend's house on the other side of Glenpool. He, he was driving. He went over there, and that's the last I knew about him. Whenever I saw the news that morning, it was reported that a person was hit and killed as they were running across the highway there in Glenpool. And the person, they were still unidentified. They didn't know who it was. But me and my dad, we knew that it was my brother, Austin. And then a couple hours later, the police, they, they come by, and they show us the pictures, and they have us identify them. And sure enough, it was my brother. And as soon as me and my dad walked back inside, we, again, we both broke down in tears. And again, at that point, I had another choice to make. This could either drive me away from God, or it could drive me closer to him. And this time... It still drew me closer to God, but now it was different. Now it hit harder. Now I was old enough to understand a little bit more. And I still, did, I still didn't deal with the death of my mom that well. 
And so I still had all that weight on me. And then whenever my brother passed away, all that weight got added on top of that. So now this time was different. It, it, it felt heavier. And after a few months went by, I knew now that I was walking in depression. I could sense it and I could feel it. Nothing seemed to be the same those, those months afterwards. The things that used to make me happy, they still made me happy, but they didn't make me as happy. The things I enjoyed, I didn't enjoy as much. The, the, the things I looked forward to, I didn't look forward to as much. And during that season, I handled things in the wrong way again. So tonight, what, we're talking about depression. What helps, what doesn't help? So what's, what are the do's and don'ts? Here's what doesn't help. Whenever depression hits, whenever you know depression hits, whenever something happens, what doesn't help is bottling it up. What doesn't help is keeping it to yourself. If you're struggling with anything, if you have any kind of struggle, whether that's depression, whether that's anxiety, whether that's identity, whether that's pornography, if you have any kind of struggle, you don't have to struggle alone. Just like how sin grows in the darkness. Whenever you have a sin, you hide it. It's only going to grow. It's only going to fester. It's only going to grow more. Same thing happens with depression. You don't want to struggle alone. You have to talk to somebody. So whenever you struggle, don't struggle alone because you have so many people in this place. You have so many people around you that love you. I know each and every one of you, you guys have friends. You guys have family who love you. But you also have this building. You guys have everybody in here who loves you. So if you're struggling, don't struggle alone. Also, whenever depression hits, don't do what my brother did. And don't turn to anything else to help you escape. Because if you look to anything to help escape that pain, to help you take your mind off what's going on, if you look to anything else, it's never going to help. It's never going to satisfy. That's why I preach about that so much, that nothing ever truly satisfies. It's because I've seen it firsthand. I've seen people try to, I've seen my brother try to escape the pain. I've seen him trying to find, to find hope, to find peace in everything else besides God. I've seen it happen, and I've seen it fail. That's why I preach about that so much. The, the only thing that can truly satisfy you is a relationship with God. Because I've seen it, and I've been on both sides of it. And I know what helps, and I know what doesn't. Don't look to anything else to help try to find hope, to try to help find that peace, to help take away that pain. Because you have to deal with that pain head on. And don't turn your back on God, because God is the only one who could help. The band will go ahead and come back. So what does help? What does help whenever we're going through depression? And I know right now we're talking, like, depression, we're talking about, like, one, like, a huge thing, like the loss of a family member. But what else causes depression? What else causes depression? It's whenever you have anxiety. Whenever you don't feel noticed. Whenever you, whenever you want to be accepted, but you don't feel accepted. Whenever you feel like you want to have a purpose, but you don't feel like you have a purpose. Whenever you don't feel like you have a meaning on this earth. Those are the things that usually cause depression in us. Whenever you want somebody to notice what's going on and they don't notice you at all, when you feel like you've been invisible. Whenever you're trying to live up to someone else's expectations and not your own, that causes depression. So what helps with depression? When you notice depression creeping in, the first thing you got to do is talk to somebody. Don't let it bottle up on the inside because I know firsthand that doesn't help. Let somebody know how you feel. Get things off your chest. 
Go to your best friends because I know your best friends, they might make fun of you for a second, but go to them because they will help you. Because if your best friend is truly your best friend, then they will actually love you and they will actually care for you. Come talk to me or Brooklyn because that's literally what we're here for. Like I get to preach to you guys for an hour, but the whole other 168 hours, if I did my math right, of the week, it's for me to be available to you guys. So if you have anything going on in your life, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Don't hesitate to reach out to Brooklyn. If it's past 10 o'clock, we probably won't answer anyways. So don't bother. That doesn't worry about it. Also, if you, are, if you notice depression creeping in, schedule a time with a therapist. I know we preach about God and stuff. That doesn't mean that we're anti-science. It doesn't mean that we're anti-doctor. If you know that something is wrong, Go to somebody to talk to. Because going to a therapist, that has a bad connotation, but it doesn't have to be bad. Every, like, everybody needs to go to a therapist probably at some point. It's not a bad thing. When you guys need somebody to talk to. Also, be around people. Come to church. Go hang out with your friends. If you notice this creeping into your life, don't be around. Don't be alone because that's whenever things get darker. That's when things get worse. When you notice depression creeping in, go talk to somebody, but also turn to God. I know it sounds easy. It sounds too easy. I know it kind of sounds too impractical. It sounds like just kind of an idea. It sounds like something I have to tell you to turn to God. But I'm telling you this because I've, I've been there. And turning to God is the only thing that works. I'm telling you this from experience because I've been in dark times and I've turned to God in the middle of that and I know that God heard me. I know that God heard you. I've been in the middle of some dark times. And whenever you turn to God, God is real and God is there. And I'm telling you that from the other side of this, that he is the only force. He's the only person who can get you out of that. And God is the only one who would be there for you. The only reason why I didn't allow my heart to become darkened and turn from God and become an alcoholic or commit suicide whenever my mom died was because I knew that God was with me. And I knew I could turn to him. I knew that he was going to be my strength. I knew he had a purpose and a plan for my life. And I wasn't going to let anything deter the plan that I knew God had for me. The only reason why I didn't allow my heart to become darkened when my brother died was because I knew that God was with me. The passage that I went to over and over and over again whenever my mom passed away was Psalms 121 verse 1. It says, where does my help come from? Where, I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. If you look to anything else for help, it's never going to satisfy. You have to look to God and God alone because that is where your help is. The third thing, the best thing to help you overcome depression is to have a strong foundation in a relationship with God before depression ever hits. That's the best thing to help you not fall into that darkness, to not fall into that trap. It's to have a strong foundation before anything ever happens. If you're in the middle of a hurricane, that's the worst time to try to go outside and reinforce your house. You're going to get swept away. You're going to get tossed, tossed around. You're not going to make it. The best time to prepare for a hurricane is before a hurricane ever starts to form. You need to seek God just as much on the mountaintop as you do in the valleys. What I mean by that is that in life, there's mountains and there's valleys. There's good times when everything is going good. There's good times when everything is happy, everything is just right. And then there's valleys when things are dark, when things are bad. You need to seek God just as much when things are going good in your life as you do when they're going bad. Because we all know when things are going bad, when things are going wrong, 
Everybody cries out to God. It doesn't even matter if you don't believe in God. People cry out to God when things are going wrong in their life. We have that same kind of seeking for God when everything is going good as we do when things are going bad because that's how we get a strong relationship with God. We seek Him 24-7. Seek Him just as much when things are going good because whenever, let me tell you, that's whenever true praise happens. Because if everything is going good in your life, you might start to think, oh, I don't need God. Things are going good without Him. But whenever you start to seek and you start to praise God with your whole heart on top of that, that's whenever you begin to go to a whole other level. The reason why I didn't go down that road whenever my brother died was because I had a strong foundation in God. I was already reading the Bible regularly. I was already praying regularly. I was already fasting regularly. Those with a strong foundation, Jesus says, is anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it. If you want a strong foundation, I know I say this all the time, but you have to find a joy in discipline. Reading the Bible and praying, that takes discipline. It doesn't come easy. You don't just wake up in the morning and say, ah, I just want to spend time in God's presence. Ah, I just want to, I just want to pray. That doesn't happen naturally for most of us. It's a discipline. I said a couple weeks ago, just like how if you're training to be an athlete, you're training to run, you have to wake up and you have to put in the work. Nobody likes to get up and, and sprint a marathon. You have to put in the work and it takes discipline. If you want to be ahead of the game, you have to find joy in the discipline. You have to find joy in doing the hard work. You have to find joy in seeking God. Make it your goal to be good at discipline. Wake up 10 minutes early and spend time with God. Spend time praying. That's what it looks like. Whenever I say see God, that's what it looks like. It looks like waking up and spending 10 extra minutes with God. And if you say, I don't think I could pray for 10 minutes, text me. Ask me what to pray about. I could send you, I can literally send you resources of things to help you pray, to help you read the Bible. I can send you those resources. I have everything that you need to help you grow in your relationship with God. You have to be the one to want to put in the work. You have to be the one to want to do it. Find time each day to get in the Bible. Find joy in fasting. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I didn't know how I was going to end this tonight. But I think this part's necessary. If there's anyone in here who's, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've heard about him, you maybe have said yes before, but you're not walking in that relationship with him, You've said yes maybe before, but you, or, or maybe you haven't. But you know right now that Jesus is not the Lord of your life. You know right now that Jesus is not your Savior. If you know that and you want Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior, you want to make him the master of your life, raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Thank you. I see those hands on the right and the left. Everyone say this prayer after me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Make me your son or daughter. Bring me into your kingdom. And make you the, the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can look at me. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, then, that, then, you have, then the Bible says that you're saved. And what that means is that you're saved from your sins, that Jesus forgives you. And the Bible says that all heaven is rejoicing whenever you do that. And so that's the first step. If you want to get ahead of the game, you have to seek God. You have to have that relationship with him. And then it comes the hard work the day after. That's seeking after God. That's wanting to get to know him. So this, if everyone would go ahead and stand up. They're going to lead us into another worship song. They're going to lead us into a song of praise. And so I want everyone who wants to seek God, who wants to have that closer relationship with him, whether you're going through any depression or not, whether you have anxiety or not, whether you're on the mountaintop or whether you're at the valley, it doesn't matter. If you want to have that closer relationship with God, I want you to find a spot up here at the front, and I want you to get serious for five minutes and tell God what you need. Now, whenever I say that, that means specific prayers get specific answers. If you have anything that you need prayer about, God wants to answer it. But whenever you pray, tell God exactly what you need. And the Bible says that he will give you what you need. So if everyone go ahead, if you want to seek after God, I want you to come up here right now. They're going to lead us on a song right now. And this is what it looks like. Seeking after him, praising him, using your words, using, using your arms. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your goodness. God, thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you that you allow us to come to you and that your grace is freely given to us. God, we praise you for that. God, I pray for the students in here. I pray that anyone who's dealing with any kind of depression, whether they notice it or not, whether it's gripping their heart or whether it's just barely passing by, God, I pray that they, they can get rid of it. God, I pray that right now you just grip their heart. Let them seek after you. And as they seek after you, let them find you. God, and I pray that as they find you, that your relationship just begins to grow more and more stronger. Let their foundation be strong in you, God. God, I pray you give everyone the desire to know you better. Let it start with that desire to just want to know you more. God, we praise you. We love you. I pray you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen.